Colossians chapter 3, I'll read verse 1 to 17. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, into which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God ruin your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell on you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You may be seated. Recently, uh, we pastors were, were meeting and talking about uh, this past year and uh, the next year. And one of, one of them said uh, he's not so excited about ringing in the new year as he is looking forward to ringing out the old year. And I think if, if we're honest, we're, we're a bit uh, frustrated with this past year. And um, there have been pressures from without, and there are voices from within that, that present new challenges. And as pastors, I think sometimes we question, have, have we led well? Um, have we modeled Christ? And we become frustrated with ourselves when we see times where we, we failed. And, and rather than promoting Christ, we promoted self. So I think it's fitting at the end of the year to ask ourselves a few questions, to take a personal inventory of our hearts and our attitudes, and most likely we will need to make some adjustments as we do that. In the last 365 days, the last 52 weeks, the last 12 months that make up this past year, the attitudes that I possessed, 
the thoughts that I allowed to enter my heart, the words and deeds that were born from these thought processes. Were they healthy? Were they helpful? Did they honor God? And was the world around me brought closer to the Savior? Were they introduced to Jesus? Did my employees, co-workers, brothers and sisters, friends and neighbors, did they see and hear Jesus in my life? Did I meet the challenges and opportunities that God gave me with faithfulness and meekness and joy and a smile on my face? Or did I allow the setbacks and the situations of 2020 to impact my heart in a negative way? Did I become involved and overwhelmed and consumed with the things of this earth? And did it rob me of my joy? And did it distract me from the heavenly? Did I become a consumer and messenger of this earthly world? Or did I continue to shine the light of love and peace to the world around us? Today, at the end of the year, we're taking inventory of our heart. Is our love for the Lord brighter and richer than it was? Are we nearer to God than before, or have we drifted from him? So let's clean the house and get things back in order. And perhaps you're here this morning and you feel like your life is a wreck. Maybe your life is in a state of confusion. Maybe your life feels like my son's room looks at times. Maybe the mess is so great and so difficult that it's hard to know where to put that next foot down. Where to take the next step. As we look at Colossians 3 today, let's allow the Holy Spirit to take inventory of, of our lives and allow him to show us a new direction back to God, closer to God, and the gospel. Colossians 3 verse 1 if then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, and not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So the first thing we are to do is to seek those things that are above. Is this even healthy for us to do this? I mean, we are living on the earth, and if we're constantly thinking about things that are above the earth, doesn't this kind of make us aloof or out of touch with reality? I'm a fairly practical person, and so I want to disagree with the author here on this point. In fact, sometimes I would say that these people that are just constantly thinking about things above the earth are almost psychopathic. They're not living in the present. But look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is, I think, the most important point that I can probably make this morning. Our lives must be hidden with Christ in God. We are to die to self. Not only do we talk about heavenly things, but we are dead to the earth. That's a few steps farther than what I'm typically comfortable with. So as we inventory our lives, have I died 
Is my life hidden with Christ in God? Or have I stepped out from behind Christ? Am I now leading? Have I tired of this business of following? And have I assumed myself to be the leader ahead of Christ? If, as we take inventory, we discover that we have stepped out from behind Christ and we are not hidden with Christ in God, what is the reason and how do we correct it and return to Christ? What causes us to walk away from Christ? What militates against humbly following in the shadows of Christ and being found in Him? Well, I think we would all admit that pride gets us out from behind Christ. It drives us from the foot of the cross. So we need to ask, what is pride? Well, pride is pride is me, alive and not dead. I must put to death the carnality of my heart and what my heart really wants and is bent toward the earth. The earthly part of me must be put to death. I must die so that I can be risen with Christ in order to seek those things that are above. This constant seeking of earthly things keeps me dwelling on the earth. I must put to death the carnality of my heart. So how much of this past year have I focused on the earthly? How much energy have I poured out this past year in an attempt to be on the right side of history? to appear right to those around me, to be respected by those whose focus is also on the earth. Has the effort to prove my point this past year snuffed the witness of Christ out in me? Have I been consumed with the earthly? Of all the problems that I've faced in 2020, I have been the biggest one. My pride and the selfishness of my heart have caused relationship issues between me and Christ. And whenever that happens, our relationships with others is affected. When our position with Christ and our relationship with Him is compromised, other relationships will be as well. Pride causes me to place myself on the throne where only Christ belongs. And it gets me away from being hidden with Christ in God. Another problem that we face that separates us from God and gets us out from behind our hiding place there is disillusionment, being disappointed with God. And it seems to me that a lot of Christ's followers have become offended by the very God that they claim to serve. When John the Baptist was in prison, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, if he indeed was the Messiah, or if they should look for another. And Jesus responded in Matthew 11, verse 4, and he said, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. It seems insensitive of Jesus that while John is suffering in prison, after John has given up every comfort of life to live in the desert and proclaim the way of the Lord, 
His whole purpose and intent in life was to point people in the direction of Jesus Christ. He lived in poverty, deep poverty, and isolation from the world and from the comforts of the world. He strictly limited earthly pleasure to almost nothing. He limited even his diet to a very small, meager ration. And all this while Jesus ate and drank with publicans and sinners. And now while John, the very one who had given his life to announce the coming of the Messiah, sat rotting in prison, Jesus went about his business of healing the sick, of giving sight to the blind, of making the lame walk again, cleansing the lepers. The deaf can now hear, and even the dead are raised to life. What do you think about that, John? Does that sound like the Messiah? Are you offended that Jesus is doing all of that for them, but he has done nothing for you? Are you offended that after giving your whole life for him, you end up in a dungeon and he doesn't even come to visit? Are you offended that he does not rescue you from your pit? Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Does it seem that Jesus has forgotten you? You have been given no answers to the dilemma that you face. Life has been unfair, and you wonder where Christ is. You wonder why he would not rescue you and why he would allow you to suffer. And sometimes we become offended by God because he doesn't answer our why question. There are folks in our community who have suffered the worst imaginable pain and God provides no answers. Some of you have experienced tremendous loss in 2020. And God never answered your question. And he probably never will. Just like he did not answer John's question. Jesus could have said, yes, John, I am the Messiah. But rather, he reminds him of all the neat things that he is doing that don't solve any of John's problems. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. And God bless those of you who have suffered loss and unexplained pain in your life and yet remain faithful to God. It's not easy. And we tend to become disillusioned with God and to step out from behind him. But I bless those of you who are trusting God in spite of of pain and in spite of hurt. <clears throat> the religious system of Jesus' day missed the Messiah because he did not perform to their expectations. They were offended by what he did. And as a result, they rejected him and killed him. And we need to put to death our earthly expectations of God or else we too will become disillusioned when God does not live up to our expectations. And that will cause us to come out from behind our position of being hidden with Christ in God. There are other things that pull us out of our hiding place with Christ in God, but I'd like to move on and look at the progression of a life that is transformed by being hidden 
in God. Verse 5 in Colossians 3 says, Put to death, therefore, because you are hidden with Christ, then there are things that must die. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you lived when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie one to another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So in in response to dying with Christ, we must then put to death the carnality in our hearts. And it's helpful here to have two lists of sins. And I believe that the first list is primarily directed toward our relationship to God. These sins seem directed to be directed against God. Sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, and covetousness. He says these are all idolatry. And these vices will quickly consume us and take the place of our desire to be with Christ. I think that God has placed within each of us that desire to be drawn to something other than ourselves. There's a void there that needs to be filled. And when we fill our hearts with sexual addiction and lust and greed, the constant devotion that belongs to God then is directed toward these other earthly desires, lust and greed and covetousness. We understand that life takes place at an amazing speed, and we are constantly in the process of making decisions. And it is difficult at the crossroads of life when we're moving so fast to make the right choice. So I think it's important for us to stop now and uh, educate our hearts to think about the decisions that we will make this coming year and to make a commitment to make the right choices. Daniel purposed in his heart. And David made a decision not to place any vain thing before him. Men of God in the past have found it necessary to make these decisions ahead of time and to set a course for their hearts because they understood the carnality and deceit and idolatry that was in their own hearts. Decide now and educate your heart to the commitment of putting to death this next year sexual immorality, evil desire, and covetousness. These things are idolatry and destroy our position of being hid with Christ in God. Ephesians 5.3 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. We need to eradicate this lust for power and wealth and sexual desire. It should have no place among us. And we blame the world for their promiscuity and the debauchery that we see all around us, but we fail to admit that the root of the problem is growing out of the soil of my wicked and perverse heart. I need to repent, and I need to return and humbly find my position and identity hidden with Christ in God.
It is on account of these wicked vices found in these verses that the wrath of God is coming. We must, be, we must put them to death and be found in Christ. The secondary list gives us direction in our relationship with those around us. In verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. This list seems like it's more directed to our relationship with each other. Because I understand in verses 10 and 11 that I'm no better than those around me and I am equally carnal and sinful or full of sin, I understand my need to respond in humility and to love my fellow man. So I must put to death anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying tendencies and other practices that are entrenched in my heart so that I can maintain fair, unbiased, healthy relationships with others. When I take inventory of my heart, the condition of my heart, do I find areas that need cleaning, cleansing? Is there anger? Is there malice? Is there slander? Is there obscene talk, lying? To cure my heart, we must repent rather than blame those around us. So there are things that we put off as a result of being identified and hidden with Christ in God, and there are things that we put on. In verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also must ye forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Because my life is hidden with Christ, and because I'm committed to putting to death carnality of my heart, then there are things that I must chase after and put on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness. When we step out of the shadow behind Christ, it is difficult for us to manufacture these virtues. When we fail to display these virtues in our relationships with others, people tend to distrust us. And whenever somebody begins to distrust us, there is trouble. But when we are hidden in God, and I can put off carnality, and allow the virtues of my risen Lord to permeate my life, it becomes evidence in how I relate to others. Verse 13 stood out to me especially. If one has a complaint against another, forgive. It doesn't say that we should dig up dirt or that we should work hard to determine who the guilty party was and establish who was right and who was wrong, but it says forgive. I'm concerned how quickly we follow the world's patterns in this area. The world is moving speedily towards shaming individuals who disagree with us and have a different viewpoint. But the Bible says if any has a complaint against someone, forgive. So much of our lives we spend forgiving God because he's offended us or hasn't lived up to our expectations, 
or we try to forgive ourselves, which is not needed. We need to repent. But we, for, we, try, we try to forgive God and we try to forgive ourselves to the point where there's no forgiveness left for those around us. But when we are in Christ, forgiveness flows out of our lives. Forgiveness and forbearance is the very essence and nature of Christ. Show me someone who finds it difficult to forgive, and I'll show you someone who is not hidden with Christ in God. They have not died to the earthly, carnal pool of their wicked heart. And they have fooled themselves into thinking that they can name the name of Christ and remain on the throne of their own hearts. And they have not accepted the forgiveness of Christ to fill them. These people talk about the need to forgive God. God has not moved in their lives according to their expectations. And they are quick to forgive themselves rather than repent, but they have no time to forgive others. And too many times I have named the name of Christ, but I have been unwilling to die and put to death the carnal desires of my heart. And so my life is a constant mixed message. Occasionally those around me get a glimpse of Christ in me, but mostly they get the carnality and the earthly me, the unforgiving me. I am on the throne and things should be done my way, to my liking, for my comfort, to preserve my reputation while I work hard to achieve my righteousness. And Paul is quick to tell us to what level we need to forgive each other. He says that you forgive each other as much as Christ forgave you. And Christ died for you. He gave up everything for you. The key to forgiving another is to understand our own need for forgiveness. But when we are self-righteous, when we, when we understand ourselves to be generally good, we rarely have opportunity to disappoint God, then we will find it most difficult to forgive those around us when they fail. But if we understand that my heart is in constant turmoil and bent against God Almighty, my heart is full of pride, sexual impurity, and evil desires of covetousness, when we understand that God's wrath is on its way to deal with the evil that is in my heart, then we can fall on our knees in meekness and humility, recognizing that we need someone to rescue us. We can be forgiven because of what Christ did, because he took the punishment for my sin. We can be spared from the fires of hell. And when we understand that, and we taste the freedom that Christ offers us, we will want others to be free, and we will freely give the forgiveness When we look back into this last year, have I been a forgiving person? Do my actions and attitude toward the others display a life that is hidden with Christ in God, or do they display a life that is preserving his own carnal will and selfish desires? Verse 14, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And this is what we want in our church. This is what we are after, a church in perfect harmony. 
And if we together as a church put off carnality and put on Christ and work together in love and in perfect harmony, I can guarantee you that we will be so appealing that even people on the fringes or outside of our church, people in the world will be drawn to Christ. The power of perfect harmony in a church remains mostly unknown because it's difficult to achieve. And most churches don't really have it. Most people have not seen this level of harmony modeled. And I believe that it's difficult because it requires death in me to be lived out. It requires the death of my carnal desires. So there's too many of us, myself included, that are way too alive to self in order to allow this to take place. And so we need to repent. We need to return to Christ. We need to be hidden in Christ to lay down our will and agenda for the sake of harmony. We, We need to forgive more, to humble ourselves more, Some of the individuals and families in our churches have been drifting apart. I feel like if if I follow the law more perfectly than you do, then I am better than you. We have been measuring ourselves among ourselves, which always leads to separation, disunity, and self-righteousness. In 2021, let's commit to less focus on the earthly and to seek and set our minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Stop measuring your righteousness by comparing to other earth dwellers, and start measuring your righteousness in light of the holiness of Almighty God. God, God deserves between the very thoughts and intentions of your heart, your wicked and perverse heart. Start realizing that without Christ, we are altogether rotten and unholy. It takes a fraction of a second from being hidden with Christ in God and being covered with his righteousness to stepping out of that position. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Anything other than this is self-worship and self-adoration and an attempt to promote ourselves above Christ to take the kingship from the king and put ourselves on the throne, which is precisely where the religious elite of Jesus' day were. They were on the throne, and so they killed the one that deserved to be there. There will never be room for you and Jesus on the throne. When Christ is on the throne, we are putting to death the carnality of our hearts. We are putting to to death me, myself, and I. When I am on the throne... Christ within me is being put to death. He is being quenched. We desperately need to model the love and compassion and forbearance of Christ. Our community needs to see this perfect harmony modeled. The world needs to see this. And right now, if the world saw this, there would be flocks of unbelievers coming to the Lord. We understand that harmony in singing is, of course, many different sounds connecting with each other to achieve something beautiful. 
And if we can learn to do this as a church in a spiritual sense, a blending of our differences into one melody, creating something beautiful, we too will be unstoppable. This means that my voice needs to be uh, blended with others. Not too loud, not too soft. There's no harmony in a solo. We must live and we must forgive like Christ did and like he does. Have you been forgiven by Christ? Then why is your life not a display of compassion and love that flows freely from the cross and pours out into the lives of people around you? Verses 15 to 17 in Colossians 3 are a display of the result of being hidden with Christ in God and putting to death the carnality of our heart and putting on compassion and love of Christ. When we do all of this, this will be the result. Verse 15. Let the peace of God, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. This sort of picture, this is a sort of picture of what we can achieve when we commit to live in true harmony. And as we enter 2021, there are things that are out of our control. But each of us needs to decide what position we will live from. Will we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Will we be hidden with Christ in God? Or will we continue to promote me? I suggest that we're at a pivotal moment in our church's history. The choice is right in front of us. We can continue to live in mediocrity. And we can provide a place of fellowship where there is some honesty and some unity and some form of the gospel being lived out. Or we can be hidden with Christ in God. We can humble ourselves, and we can crucify the lust of the flesh. We can put to death the carnal life within us, and we can place Christ on the throne where he belongs. I need to repent of the pride in my heart. As I look back on this past year, there are areas where I need to repent. I need to change. I need to be more humble. I need to forgive sooner. I need to repent of the wrong desires and of trying to manipulate and control God and how he works. He is sovereign, not me. I need to fully trust him. And when I don't trust him, I need to repent. I desperately need to be hidden with Christ in God. I want to allow him to reign supreme in my heart. And as I look into this next year, I want to remove the earthly and replace it with the heavenly. I want to put on the virtues of Christ so that the world has a clear picture of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we have lived in pride and arrogance and selfishness, and there are areas in each one of our hearts that needs cleansing, that needs forgiveness, that needs your atonement. And we, we acknowledge that and we admit that we are frail and humble or we are frail and low um, 
in your eyes and the holiness of God, we have failed miserably. We are unable to produce our own righteousness. We are unable to manufacture uh, even the smallest amount of it in, in our lives. There is none of our righteousness that is worth anything more than filthy rags, and we humbly bow before you. Give us the level of commitment that we need in this next year to remain humble, to remain hidden with Christ, and to replace ourselves on the throne of life with you, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen.